Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Morning, Thrive Church. Awesome, man. Yeah, you guys seem a little more awake than the Chesterfield campus was, maybe because they didn't have as much time to wake up and drink coffee like you've had uh, this morning. I had a great time with them. Well, you've joined us in week three of a series called Making Change. But quickly, I want to let you guys know uh, two things that are going on super important for January. Um, starting January 25th, you can actually join with us in what I'm calling seven days of strategic focused prayer. So for seven days, we're going to join together as a church family. We have a a prayer journal that we're going to release, and you can pray with us and fast with us and believe God um, for an amazing 2018. We're going to pray for our community. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for everything together and believe that God's going to make great impact. Now, that's going to lead up to January 31st. If you do the math, it's seven days, all right? And on the 31st at our Chesterfield location, that's Wednesday night. Don't miss this. We're having Vision 650 night, Vision 650K night. And here's what what that's all about. It starts at 6.50 p.m. Like what I did there? Hey, that's pretty soon, right? And so what's going to happen is I'm going to share vision about Thrive and where we're going in 2018. And it has nothing to do with what you think it has to do with. So whatever you think 650K is, you got to come and figure out what that is. And, um, but whatever you're thinking it is, you're probably wrong. And so you got to come out. Um, it's going to be an exciting night. We share vision um, of what motivates everything we do here at Thrive Church. Well, we're in week three of making change. And I've loved it so far. So far, we've learned that less is more. Remember, better is one handful, Solomon said, with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Remember that that verse in the first week? The second week we learned that what? Stress is, is bad, that the borrower is in bondage to the lender. Well, today we're going to talk about giving is good, and next week we're going to talk about tomorrow matters. Um, You can go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word if you have it to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Acts 20, verse uh, 35. Now, when I speak about a message about embracing the value that giving is good, you probably all have had a very bad experience with that, right? Like, you've probably had the situation happen in your life, and you probably get like that too, and you hear the message on giving, all right? Inside, you're doing that. You're like, wow, is that, you, 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 do, you, know, I, you and I do that. You've probably had the slick-haired preacher on TV who says, you just give me your money. If you, if you send the offering animal, cancel all your debt. God's going to do these things for you. He's going to, if you give, you're going to get. And you've probably seen that, right? You've seen the abuses of that in the local church. You've probably been on the bad end of that. But I want you to to do something for a second. Park those ideas to the side. Everything you've experienced, any preconceptions you have. And I want you to think about this. Think about a time when you were on the receiving end of someone's radical generosity. Think about a time when you were down and out, you were struggling, and somebody was generous to you. Like, I guarantee if I lined this all up up here, you could all come say, man, there was a time. And it could have been parents, it could have been a stranger, it could have been whoever, someone was generous to you. That it literally made God real to you. Like you were praying for something, and that person was the answer to prayer, right? Have you ever seen where that's happened for you? 
Well, I remember for me when I first got saved, I got saved around 20 years old. Um, I didn't know Jesus from a hole in the wall, didn't know the Bible. So I literally started reading the Bible when I got saved, started in Matthew. Don't start in Genesis. Bad place to start, start in Matthew if you don't know anything, right? And so I started reading it, and I had not even got through the gospel of Matthew yet. So I'm like still reading and saved about a month and a half. And it was literally the worst week of my life. What happened was I had a drunk driver hit me, broad daylight. Dude was, I mean, drunk, hit me, totaled my car. Um, you know, then I lost my job the next week. I got fired. And I was really down and out. I was like, why follow this Jesus? I mean, why do this church stuff? Why come? I mean, my life is now worse than when I first started following Jesus. And I was really at a bad place in my life. And one day I was at church like for a Wednesday night activity or something with a young adults thing. And then uh, my Sunday school teacher who taught young adults small group, he like uh, brought, brought me, you know, to the side. He said, uh, his name was Mac. He said, Kevin, I need to talk to you about something. He says, the Lord wants me to share this scripture with you. And he shared this scripture. It's in First Peter, and you can probably you know, find it and quote it and tell me all this stuff after service and be the genius with your Google. But, but, uh, but <laughs> he said, and I'll never forget, he says, he read it to me. He said, don't think it's uh, you know, strange, the fiery trial you're going through, which is there to test your faith, which is much more precious than gold or silver. And I'm like, I'm like whoa, oh, and... Uh, we have no, I have no power. So at any rate, um, Mac did that, and that was great effect there. Thank you guys in the back. That's all I was doing. So when Mac did that, literally it was a God moment. I was like, God's real. And then Mac did this. He said, I want to pray for you. And he prayed for me, and then he shook my hand, and there's a piece of paper in there. And when I got that out, there's a $100 bill in there. And I walked away like, man, God's real. I was ready to give up. And this is, I, 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 I really benefited. I mean, $100 in 1999 is a year's worth of gas. Some of y'all don't know. Some of y'all don't know nothing about some 99 cent gas, right? Like, that would have, I mean, so for me, that was like the biggest blessing ever. God became real. I experienced God's love in tangible ways. When I planted my first church in South Florida in 2008, uh, my wife was in school full-time, and I was working for the government in a nonprofit, uh, you know, there, and, and literally they pay you like it's nonprofit. If you work for nonprofits, you know that. And so we were living off nothing. We planted the church, and I'm not doing this evangelistic thing where I'm stretching it. This is real. We had a five-string acoustic guitar I led worship with. Five strings. You say, why five? Because I couldn't afford to pay to get the bridge fixed for the six string. So you're like, oh, I didn't know a guitar had six strings. Yeah, it does. We had five. We had this little computer that was mine that we played in our home, like my friend's home that we rented on a laptop that did like the media stuff up there. So, you know, you got to be able to see what's going on with it and all those things. And, and literally, like the computer would freeze up completely every second or third song, like just every week. That's not the worst part. We had a flat screen TV that we showed, showed it on. One week I show up and guess what? The flat screen TV is gone. No, somebody didn't steal it. It got repoed. My friend, I didn't know he rented it. I didn't know he was bad with money. And they came and took the TV. So we had nothing. So like literally, I'm saying this, we could not pay for the cookies and Coca-Colas and Mountain Dews we gave people after we met and gathered in worship. We were so poor. We had nothing. And I'll never forget when people were generous and I prayed and they gave to that church plant. It literally was like, God loves me. God approves and God is in this. I was on the receiving end of someone's radical generosity. 
And you could probably tell a time when you were on the receiving end of somebody else's radical generosity. That they believed that giving was good. And there's somebody else who also believes that giving is good. His name's Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Acts 20, 35, in the New Living Translation, here's what, uh, what, what Jesus says here. And Paul quotes these words. And this is interesting. This is the book of Acts. So Luke wrote this book. Luke is writing what Paul said about what Jesus said. But after we read this, notice this. This record of Jesus saying this is nowhere in the Gospels. Meaning that Peter, James, John, all those guys, this was something that Jesus instilled into them and that they spread this message to the early church. So Paul must have heard it from them. So here's what he says here. He said, you, he said he's telling you know, one of the churches there, he said, you should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You see that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. So, like, I just told you about a time when I received radical generosity from someone and God became real to me. But Jesus said the best end to be on is not when you receive it, but when you give it. Can I challenge you today that I think someone may be waiting on the other end of your radical generosity? Somebody may be waiting for you to be generous with encouragement, generous with service, generous with love, generous financially. Maybe there's a single mom who can't put food on the table, and she's wondering if God is even real, and you're going to be at the grocery store. You're going to sense that by the power of the Holy Spirit because you're going to be alert, and you're going to be praying because you believe giving is good, and you're going to pay for her groceries because you went through making change and you had the extra money there to do that, right? And so you're going to bless her and you're going to tell her, I did this because the Lord told me to. And he told me to tell you he loves you because the Bible says that. And you're going to make Jesus real to somebody else. There's people waiting on the other end of our generosity. So here's today's big idea. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is key. When it comes to generosity, you can choose to be greedy or be generous but you can't be both. I know that's hard to swallow, but you can choose to be generous or greedy, but you can't be a mixture. I'm a little of both when it comes to generosity. Now, I can't answer the question for you about are you greedy or are you generous. Matter of fact, I'm the guy, I don't know what anybody gives at this church. I just wouldn't tell you straight up. Some guys know that. That's what they do. They read the records. They do all that stuff. I just don't want to. I don't want to like judge somebody or uh, wrongly or do things like that. I don't know what you do, but you do. And you've got to sit down and think, am I generous? Are we as a couple generous or are we stingy? Are we greedy? Because someone is waiting on the other end of your generosity to experience Jesus. This is why this is so important. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember when this first happened to me on the giving end. My wife and I had just gotten out of college. We didn't make a lot of money. And so um, we had an insurance check come in. That's awesome when somebody gives, like, you know, they give you money back. You're like, whoa. And so we get this money back. It was 20% of our monthly income. That's a lot, right? Like, do the math, okay? So it comes in, and immediately I felt the Holy Spirit. I just felt this, can't explain it. Say, the Lord said, hey, you need to send that to your buddy planting that church because he told you that he's watering down milk to feed his children, trying to plant a church and spread the message of Jesus to people in that area. And I went and told my wife. <laughs> my wife said, can we give half of it? <laughs> I said, no, I felt like the Lord said, this was a freebie. This is not even something we expected. We need to give it. She said, let's do it. 
About a week later, I got a call from his wife, and she was crying, literally in tears. And she said, we, we were praying for, for relief. We were in total, all the things that we're going through, and what they're trying to do with food and trying to do with gas and things of that nature. And she went through and she said, we needed this exact amount. And literally, this was an answer from heaven for us. We were on the giving end of that. And I'm going to tell you, it's much more blessed to be on the at end than on the receiving end. Just like Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So let me ask you a question. Why aren't we? And I say we because I'm in the boat paddling with y'all. I don't have this all figured out, right? I'm still human, and I'm greedy too at certain, at certain areas and times. I'm going to be honest as a pastor. Why aren't we more generous if it's so good and people get to experience God, then why aren't we more generous? I believe a lot of it comes down to because it comes down to the gospel. People think like this is a, mo- a message about money. This is a message about the gospel. When you, and I can't answer for you, but when you've been redeemed, when you've been gripped by the gospel, when you've been gripped by Jesus and he has rescued you and redeemed you and restored you, and you realize you brought nothing to the table with salvation, right? It wasn't like God said, man, man, that, whoo, man, he's going to be awesome. I mean, God literally chose Mark when he was dying because of drugs and a crazy lifestyle. Not like Mark was like, hey, choose me, God, I got you. When you realize that, and you realize what the gospel has done for you and what, what, well, how generous God, God has been to you, it's easy to be generous on behalf of the gospel. And that's what it comes down to, that many of us in here have never had the gospel grip us and impact us to the point that we are in tears and we're so grateful because God saved us. We look back at our Sunday school attendance and all we did for the, all we did for the church and we will literally stand before Jesus and tell him that. He'll be like, yeah, really? I never knew you. The gospel is this, is when we realize that we could not do it. We could not save ourselves. We couldn't restore ourselves. And we're so eternally grateful. We say, God, I want to be generous to the world because of what you have done for me. Do you know why? And I pick on this guy a lot because he'll never tell you. Do you know why this guy goes out at a bus stop and shares the gospel? It's because I, on his job description, I tell him, on the third week, no, it's not. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, really? No. He does that on his free time because he's been so gripped by the gospel. Do you know why my heart beats for the people in my cul-de-sac and community who don't know Jesus? And I want to go hang out with them instead of trying to do churchy stuff and be around church people all the time because they don't know Jesus. And God has so gripped me. It's the greatest message ever. I want them to experience it. See, when you've been gripped by the gospel, generosity is super easy. So here's the deal. If we're going to be generous, you've got to cultivate it, right? Like, like anything you do in life, you've got to work that thing. It, like, it doesn't, some people, it comes naturally. There are some generous people in here. They're just generous, right? I'm not that person. I've had to cultivate it. I've had to work it. And the same way, whatever you're wishing for or hoping for in 2018, um, you can hope in one hand and you can cultivate in the other. My dad just said it a different way. And, um, and you'll see which one fills up faster. But, but you've got to cultivate what you want to become. Because listen, you don't decide your, your future. Your habits decide your future. 
And the habits you build today determines the future you'll have tomorrow. So here's what I want to do. In your notes, there are four cultivations. I know it's not three. Wow, it's going crazy today. Um, it's not three points. Um, it's four. Get ready. It's going to be crazy. Um, that I want, to, I, want to, I want you to learn how to cultivate generosity. So how do you do that? And there are four things I really felt the Lord drop in my heart as I was praying for this message and about you. And the first one is this. We've got to cultivate honesty. If you're going to be generous and not greedy, you've got to cultivate honesty. And, and here's a, a, an account in Scripture where Luke the doctor wrote this, um, where people were giving to the, to the first century church. It had just got launched. It was just going. And they were like, hey, man, we need money to do this thing. We need money to meet needs. We need money for the gospel to go forth. And look what happens here. It's a really weird account. If you've never heard this before, it's weird. And, but you've got to listen to me. Follow me with it. It's, you know first century church. And here's what happened there. It says, now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. I mean, nothing wrong with that. He, you know, he took a portion, did this, right? Well, look what happens. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you um, before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. I don't know why he died, y'all. It, it doesn't say speculate all you want. I don't know if he had a heart condition and it put him over the top. I don't know what went on, but the man literally just fell down and died, okay? And, and it says, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. No duh, Sherlock. <laughs> I'd have been a little scared too, right? So look what happens next, and this is pretty crazy. It says, Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. I don't know where she was at. Maybe she was shopping. I don't know whatever she was doing. <laughs> Not knowing what happened. And, and Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? She could have told the truth, but she said, Yes. That is the prize. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And uh, at that moment, she fell down to his feet and died. I don't know why she died, but she died. We don't, we're not told that Luke left that out. But the young men came in, and finding her dead, they carried out and uh, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Those poor young men were busy all day. Um, and great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, this time, we're going to take up an offering. And what you're going to do? No, I'm joking. No, I'm totally joking. But here's the principle of that. They just weren't honest about where they were at. I'm not sure, and I am you know, at this point speculating, pontificating. Uh, maybe if she said, or he said, hey, look, Peter, We've kept back some of the money, man. We're sorry. We just, we really want it. We're greedy. We need it. We did. I don't know. But they didn't. They lied to themselves. They lied to others and they lied to God. Now, for us, if you're going to make any progress about anything in your life, wherever you're at, the first step is always be brutally honest with where you're at. The worst thing about addicts is this. They think it's not that bad. Any addict you talk to, you can't believe them. You know that, right? You can't believe a word they say. If they say they're drinking three drinks a night, they're drinking 47 drinks a night. 
Seriously. Uh, and, and for them to get help, they got to be brutally honest and say, this is where it's at. I, I mean, if it's your marriage, you got to be like, hey, look, just be honest. This is, this is, this is where we're at. With your finances, you got to sit down and look at your budget. That's why we're doing this. And look at your debt and look at those things and just be honest about it. And when it comes to generosity, your first step is just being brutally honest with yourself. Being brutally honest with God, it's okay. He's not going to be mad at you if you're like, you know, God, I'm not really generous. I'm pretty stingy. I'm pretty greedy. And that's what I do. Can I be honest with you? When I look at you know, what I give, like my goal is to increase my giving percentage every year. That's just what I want to do. And I started that, you know, because when I look back, I kept giving the same thing, even though, like, my you know, percentage-wise, even though, like, maybe the salaries are increased or, or maybe we had inherited stuff come in and things happened that blessed us. Still, percentage-wise, it's still the same. I was like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I want to be generous. And so when you look at it, you've got to be brutally honest. Where are you at? Where are you at, uh, you know, even with your relationship with God? Until you're brutally honest that maybe you are or are not a Christ follower, you can't actually be saved. Think about it, very basic fundamentals. So when it comes to generosity, I want to encourage you, be brutally honest. When you sit down during the Make and Change Challenge and you're looking at it, be honest about where you're at and where you want to be at the end of 2018 with generosity. And then God can help you, but you can't lie to yourself if you want to make progress. Here's the second cultivation. Not only honesty, but here's the second one. It's called gratefulness. Cultivate gratefulness. Write in your notes, gratefulness number two. And this is in Luke 17, 15 through 19, one of my favorite verses of Scripture and passages, is Jesus heals 10 lepers. Now, you hear that and you think, you know, like, like, like the little kid in kids' church that day said, why do you heal leopards for? Why do you like leopards? I was like, no, it's lepers, uh, and we had to explain that. But, but leprosy in that day and time cut you off from any human interaction. You couldn't shake a hand. You couldn't hug a neck. You couldn't go to family gatherings. You literally were an outcast with leopards. You could not enter the city gates. You couldn't do anything. Imagine like that small group video. It, literally, that's what it was. The worst thing that could happen was leprosy. You didn't get to see your children. You get, didn't get to do anything. And Jesus cleanses and heals these guys of something that they could not cleanse themselves of. And I want you to watch what happens here. As again, Luke, um, you know, in his first uh, book, the gospel, Luke, uh, gospel of Luke, writes this in verse 15. He says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, that's important because Samaritans and Jews is a huge racial divide. And I love how the gospel always reconciles. It never separates. And so it, it, he came. He was a Samaritan. It says in verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Of course they were. Where are the other nine at? Has no one returned to give a praise to God except this foreigner? And he says in verse 19, he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The second cultivation is gratefulness. Like, like the one leper returned because he was so grateful for what Jesus did. He realized what had happened. The rest ignored him. Literally pff, cleansed. They're like, wow, that's great. And went on living life. I just wonder if maybe the issue is, has nothing to do with money, but has everything to do with a grateful heart. I'm going I'm to I'm tread lightly, and I've been wrong before. Um, I may be wrong now. My wife always tells me when I am. <laughs> but what concerns me about the American church is this, not when you go overseas, y'all, that we're so cultural when it comes to church. 
we have no feeling toward the gospel and toward the message of Jesus. It doesn't do anything to us. Yeah, I got saved 1947, 1987, 1997, whatever. And we're not grateful every day for it. I heard one person say, can you just move past the gospel? Can we get deeper? You never get deeper than that. See, I, I'm grateful, as I said before, because Jesus did for me what I couldn't do it myself. I'm grateful because any money that comes in my hands is not because I put it there. It's because the Lord put it there for me. Like, so I'm so grateful when, when, when a check comes in and that check is there. My wife and I get to, to, to write out what we're giving and we're generous and we're excited because we're so grateful of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. If you're just paying tithes to a church, and that's what I pay in my tithe, then you may not. Do you even know Jesus? Giving is worship. It ain't about writing some check out to a church that's just 10%. And that's what I do. And let me, when I get to heaven, Jesus will give me a high five. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. But it's about being grateful that you're so grateful and you're so thankful. Do you pause and get overwhelmed with gratefulness because of what Jesus has done for you? That's my prayer for you. As I was praying for you this morning, that would happen. That's where giving flows out of. Giving is good flows out of gratefulness. My son, I, I, I've demanded that he learn to be grateful. He has learned, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am, please. Yes, sir, no, sir. Please pass the peas. Before he could talk, I was saying that. I tell him, I don't speak, uh-huh, son. I speak, yes, sir. I speak, no, sir. When he gets something, he says, thank you, and he looks somebody in the eye. And now when he gets a toy, you know what he does? He says, who, who gave this to me? Who, who bought this for me? And I'll tell him. And you know what he does? He usually goes to that person, and I get feedback, and he says, thank you for getting this for me. I am so happy. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. I wish that we would take the same approach to God. Who, who got this for me? Because you didn't do it. Oh, yeah, I earned a paycheck. And then, no, you don't understand the Lord of creation, the Lord of heaven and earth. And it comes back to being grateful to the one who redeemed you and the one who saved you, giving as just as much as worship as anything else is. You know what? Let me just say this real quick. Man, I won't say this. Come on, I didn't say it at Chesterfield. It won't be in the video. I mean, it won't be in the podcast. You get this for free. People don't want the spirit moving. I want, to, I want to see the spirit move in church. You know what I've never seen happen? is the Spirit spontaneously move in church and people start giving more than what they're supposed to. Right? Why doesn't worship go longer? Why don't you do this? Why don't you wave banners? But that should be an outflow of the gospel as well. I'm not saying that you got to do that. We're not taking up an offering this evening. But that's what should happen because of what the Lord has done for us. It overflows in our life. Amen? Here's the, here's, here's the third cultivation. We should be honest. We should cultivate gratefulness. Now, here's the third cultivation, joy. Cultivate joy. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. He wrote two letters to them. You know why? Because they didn't get the first letter. <laughs> they just didn't, it just didn't make sense to them. So he wrote this. He said, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, watch this. Verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his or her heart. Watch, not reluctantly or under compulsion. If I flash a bunch of pictures of, of, of kids overseas and then take up an offering and you're like, well, oh, yes, I got to do this because kids need it. Oh, I don't want to do this. Or if you're mad at me, 
or if you're mad at Scripture, here's what God says. Just keep it. Keep it. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. But the rest of that verse says, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Now, he doesn't mean he doesn't love non-cheerful givers. God loves everyone, right? But God delights in someone who is full of joy when they give. I want to submit to you that if your first response to a message about giving is good and about the words of Jesus, about it's more blessed to give than to receive, is angst and anger, and you're tightening your mouth up and can't wait to get out of here and find a church that will not preach the gospel, if you can't, if you're at that place, let me just say this. If your first response is anger and not joy, that has the message of Jesus gripped your heart. Here's why. The message of Jesus is the most important message I have ever heard in my life. It has changed me. It has totally transformed me. I was voted in my yearbook to be dead by 25. Seriously. And for me to get to send the message of Jesus across the earth is joyful. When we get to, like, give to Nicaragua over and beyond, we sent 25 people there, and the message of Jesus went to those people who I haven't met yet. That was joyful. Does that not bring joy to you? Like, like when I hear that a family had nowhere to live for a week and thrive church, put them in a, one of those little inns and sweets places for a week and tried to help them out, to help them give them their feet, that brings joy to me because we're saying the message of Jesus is going to them. It brings joy to me when we get to help plant churches in places like Asheville, North Carolina, right here in Richmond, uh, Virginia, and the message of Jesus is going forth and people are getting saved. I get joyful, right? That's exciting. And, and if you... Thank you. Somebody gets excited about that. We should be joyful that when we're generous, the message of Jesus is spreading across the earth, and our response should be joy. So when you give, pause and be like, God, Lord, fill my heart with joy. I'm not giving to keep lights on in a building. I get to give that people's lives are impacted and changed here in Richmond, here in America, and around the world. Cultivate joy. The message of Jesus gets to go forth. Every time you put one in there or you type in that 7797 or whatever you do, be like, man, the message of Jesus is going to the ends of the earth every time that I get to do this. Cultivate joy. Here's your last uh, cultivation. I'm going to get you out of here soon, right? Only one more hour left. I'm joking. (laughs) Somebody ate a big breakfast. The rest of us didn't. Uh, The fourth is this, cultivate consistency. Cultivate consistency. Paul wrote this again, again, the the church in Corinth wrote two letters to him. The first one, he ended with this. He said, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have all earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. You know what Paul was saying? Because what day is it today? It's the, the first day of the week. Is this day, I just make sure this is Sunday, right? It's a great Saturday service. We did it on Monday. This, this is the first day of the week. Paul said that you should set aside a portion of your income on the first day of the week. God gets the first and gets the best. Now, he knew that church there. He said, don't wait till I get there and try to get it. Y'all ain't good at saving. <laughs> he said, set aside a portion of it. it consistency. If you're going to be successful in life, consistency is the number one thing you need to be. God doesn't need greatness. He just needs consistency. Just show up. Just show up and be available. If you're going to lose weight, you know what you got to do? Be consistent. Just don't stop. 
If you're going to knock down this debt and you see a wall of debt and these school loans and Chase and MasterCard and all these guys are, are just be consistent. We tell our children about the little engine that could. What did he not do? He didn't, didn't, he didn't quit. How, how, how does a, a drop of water burrow out a rock? How does it do it? One drip at a time consistently. Learn to be consistent. The same way when it comes to generosity, don't point back to 1987. You gave that one time to the mission trip, and you're like, that's great, right? Be consistent with generosity. Be consistent with what you do. And you will leave a consistent trail of the gospel everywhere you go. Be consistent. I want to close with this scripture this morning. Because we're going to cultivate honesty, gratefulness, joy, and consistency. And I want to read Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 to you. The writer says this. He says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Say larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Now, I'm not going where you think I'm going with this. I'm not saying if you give today at Thrive, there's a miracle waiting. There's, there's 10 people today that God's going to double your money. There's a great increase. I'm not saying that. It's not about giving to get money. Do you know what happens when you're radically generous? Your world gets bigger. How does it get bigger? Because when you give to a Nicaragua or you give to Guyana to Bright Horizons or you give to Falcon's Children Home in North Carolina and you start giving to these things, your world gets big. Your impact has spread across the earth. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. When you're not generous, all you can point back to is Chase, my mortgage, my this, my car payment, and your world is small. But when you start seeing what generosity does and the message of Jesus going forth, your world gets so big. Well, you can point to Asia and say, yeah, man, I'm getting to impact Asia with the gospel. Maybe all you got is $15 a month to send there. It ain't about how much you're giving. It's all about you saying, man, I want to be blessed. And the biggest blessing on the earth is that you're seeing the message of Jesus impact lives beyond your own. That's the greatest blessing you and I will ever feel. Let me, let me tell you something. At this church here at Thrive, we're going to be generous. We run a tight ship. We live on a tight budget. We don't have a lot of things that I want to have at church and that other churches have. And these are my friends I'm talking about, but I am not going into millions worth of debt so I can't send the message of Jesus across the earth. I, we're not here to build pretty buildings. We're here to build people. We're here for the message of Jesus to go forth. And I want thrive. I want our legacy, and we look back at Thrive one day, say man our world is so large our world is so no we're not the biggest church no we're not the greatest church no we're not the best church we don't have the best lights no we don't have all this stuff but tell you what we got we got impact and we're impacting this world beyond our reach last year alone we were able to give not just the 10 percent we give out to our local network for church planning and things like that but we gave out almost seventy thousand dollars to people in need 
to people in mission trips, people who needed food. This is not part of budget. This is just radical generosity. You know why we were able to do that? Because you were generous. Our world's got large. People have been impacted. Let's pray this morning. Father, we ask this morning that you would grip our hearts, first of all, with the gospel. Stir our affections for you, Jesus. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for saving us. You did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you. Today, I ask, starting with me, in both locations, and all the people that are here or even listening online, God, cultivate generosity in our hearts. Cultivate generosity in our hearts. May we leave a trail of wreckage of the gospel going forth to the ends of the earth. May our world get larger and larger and larger as impact continues to go forth spreading the message of your son. Father, we ask that. Stir our affections for you. May we be grateful and full of joy because of what you've done. And this morning as we're praying in your church and having a sacred moment, maybe today you know it's the day for you to give your life to Jesus. You've heard this message. You've heard about the gospel gripping hearts and changing lives. You've heard my story. And today you want a new story. Today you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. You want to welcome Jesus into your life. You want to turn from your current life and turn to him. Today, here's what I ask. If that's you this morning and you want Jesus to be your Savior, if you want to surrender your life to him and come to him, just lift your hand and say, that's me, Kevin. It's between me, you, and God. I'm not going to embarrass you. Say, that's me, Kevin. That's me, Kevin. That's me, Kevin. Right now where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You say, Father God, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day to forgive me and to wash me of my sins. Today, I turn from my life and I turn to Jesus. Today, I repent and I give my life to him. Today, I receive the best gift ever. And today, God, I give you the greatest gift I can ever give, which is my life. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.